Welcome to 501 Crossroads. 501 Crossroads is your show all about nonprofits and the people that make the mission happen. I'm Marjorie Moore, Executive Director of Mind's Eye, and my personal mission is to make nonprofits stronger by identifying and fixing the rubs that so often come up between people in the mission. And we have our co-host back, Natalie Javonsky, the Nonprofit Ninja. That's right. I'm back specializing in helping nonprofits maximize their time, talents, and resources to achieve organizational greatness. Hi, Marjorie. Hi, welcome back. Thank you so much. I was doing some very top secret ninja training, and I'm excited to bring those skills back to our listeners. That is good. Actually, I, I may have seen some pictures of you just romping on the beach with your family. We're not going to talk about that <laughs> today. Today, we're going to talk about something very serious, though. Yeah, very serious. So I think all of our listeners are, are aware of the uh, horrific shootings in Orlando at the Pulse nightclub. Um, and with that, we kind of wanted to take a little bit of a different spin on that. Um we wanted to take a look at the role that nonprofits have when tragedy strikes, whether that's man-made or Mother Nature-made, um, and what nonprofits are doing in those spaces. Uh, because so often, you know, the government and nonprofit and just people in general have to rely on each other in those kind of times. Yeah, and I think when we look at tragedies, the community at large wants to know, well, how can we help? What can we do? What should we be doing? And they're looking for guidance, and that's where we really see the nonprofit sector step up uh, whether they are directly impacted or indirectly impacted uh, by that particular event, uh, the community looks up to them, the communities they're in, whether they're in the geographical area or somewhere clear across the country as a guide for what do we do, how should we be acting, uh, whether that's through social media or through interaction or through charitable donations. So we really want to talk in general about how nonprofits are in times of tragedy and their role in times of tragedy things that you can do as a nonprofit professional to prepare your organization, uh, those of you who are volunteering for nonprofits, things that you can do to make sure that you are able to lead in the community during a time of a tragedy, and a, a couple little assortments along the way. Yeah, absolutely. So I think one of the things that nonprofits are, are most known for is our ability to mobilize quickly in a lot of situations. I know when I was watching the news coverage of Orlando's shootings, there Within a few hours, well, probably the first first news conference I saw on it, they were already name dropping. Um, here's here's places that you can go for help. Here's places you can go for mental health services, uh, grief counseling. Um, and I read an article in the Chronicle of Philanthropy saying that by mid morning on Tuesday, so a couple of days after, um, a crowdfunding campaign started by Equality Florida to benefit the shooting victims had already raised 3.2 million dollars. And then another one um, set up by the GL. The GLBT Community Center of Central Florida had raised uh, $300,000. So, you know, those are local nonprofits there just getting on the scene doing right away. Um, Nelly, I know you've kind of got a little bit of, of uh, not experience, but training. Training. And, uh, some experience some as yeah. well. Uh, you know, it's all about emergency management. So part of my role in previous roles in nonprofit leadership has been through emergency management. So that uh, means certification through FEMA. Uh, which uh, anyone is able to get access to, to and uh, very affordable to be able to do so. In fact, in some situations, FEMA will actually cover the cost of the training. So if you're looking for formalized training uh, for your nonprofit uh, volunteers or for your staff, definitely an option. But really, there's just some basics as a nonprofit that you can do to be able to make sure you're able to react and mobilize so quickly. And a lot of that just has to do with preparing. You know, I've been known so often as saying, well, what happens if that doesn't work? What happens if, what's our plan B? You know, and what, yeah. what, what, what do we do if this goes wrong? And it's not that I'm being negative. I'm being realistic because when that goes wrong, I want to make sure that we have a plan. 
it would be my goal and ultimate satisfaction that that plant stays on the shelf and we never have to use it because things are going to go smoothly. Unfortunately, we have all learned in this day and age, we can't afford to not have a plan because when you don't have a plan, then the mass chaos of who's in charge and what messages will be coming out. This is our nonprofit. This is something that we've worked hard to be able to build a reputation on, and we want to make sure we're we're helping those that we've committed to serve. Well, and that's the big thing is, you know, looking at your nonprofit and thinking about in advance what what can you do, what should you be doing when something terrible happens in your community, um, you know, in what instances does it make sense for your organization to actually be of help? Um, I, I look at my organization and we're, we're a radio station specific for a very specific audience. And, you know, a lot of times our key job is just relaying information. We're not going to be helpful in many other situations. Right. And uh, I think it's a great point because you have to know your strengths and your weaknesses, but you also have to know what you have the ability to do and what's beyond your scope and recognize that it's okay you know, one of the articles I was uh, reading for this particular episode talked about that it's okay to be silent in times of tragedy. And people feel like they have to fill that space, they have to fill that gap, fill that noise. But the reality is sometimes saying, I don't know what to say, or saying the fact that we don't, we don't know what to do to help. That's okay because there's so many people who can relate to that feeling, that feeling of I want to help, but I don't know what to do. Yeah, and I think sometimes after, you know, these terrible nationwide tragedies happen, I think, you know, you certainly see your Facebook feed get filled up with messages of support, with hope, prayers, things like that. And at some point, they can start to ring a little bit hollow. Mm-hmm. And so I think you, don't, you certainly don't want your charity to fall into that role. I think the other big thing that you really have to watch out for is making sure that it doesn't look like you're profiting off of the the problem. Even um, if you're not intending to do that, just the appearance that you may have been considering that. And we've seen some of that in this most recent episode and different public figures being attacked for statements that they've made uh, with the question of, are they trying to profit off of this particular tragedy by saying that or by doing that? So crafting those messages carefully, and that comes with uh, and going back to the importance of planning, uh, pre-planning your messages and going through and looking at what that could look like if it goes public and how that could be interpreted. Uh, that's really key in this situation. Sometimes moving quickly is pertinent. Mm-hmm. Sometimes moving slowly and making sure that the accuracy and the, the truity of that message, uh, that could be even more important in that situation. Exactly. There were some situations um, during the Boston uh, Marathon bombing where Nike put out um, a tweet that said something to the effect of, you know, and this is not an exact quote because I can't find the exact quote, but it was basically, you know, we're, we're really sorry for what's what's gone on, but, you know, we're all going to keep running. So it was on brand, but it was also... The way it was written, which was not how I just said it, made it sound like they really cared and were, were in it with them, and it was appropriate. Epicurious did some tweets at the same time that were more in honor of Boston and New England, maybe suggest whole grain cranberry scones. And um, Oh, oh. It didn't. And then they had another one where they said, Boston, our hearts are with you. Here's a bowl of breakfast energy we could all use to start today. Oh, that just rubs me the wrong way just yeah. hearing you say that. So you've got to be really careful with your with your social media, especially, especially if you're not connected with what's going on. Well, and I think, I think in this day and age, I have seen so much of our society has become this uh, entitled judgmental society. You know, you think of other tragedies that have happened where they start doing the blame of, well, who's responsible, who's in charge, who didn't help, who should have helped. 
And, you know, you've got that mask of social media where you're not standing in front of someone and having to look them in the face and say that. And Mm -hmm. uh, some people feel more confident making uh, more radical statements because they don't have that accountability of that face-to-face conversation. And you could really rub people the wrong way if just, if not even by intention, just by the fact that people are chiming in in one piece and you think, oh, I feel like that or that makes, just because you feel it doesn't necessarily mean you just share it, folks. And that's what social media uh, is about for personal use. But remember, we're talking about nonprofit professionals. Exactly. And how does that represent your organization? How does it represent the clients, mm-hmm. the mission, uh, those people who are impacting your mission through their donations? When you speak, you're speaking on behalf of that entire group, your shareholders, if you will, those who share in your mission and want to champion your organization. So although you may have personal feelings towards one way or another, keep in mind that our social media accounts, even though they're personal, even sometimes can be a reflection of that organization. Oh, exactly. Big time. And I think the other thing that we have to think about is so we've, we've kind of thought about our online presence and, and things. But what is your agency going to do? And um, there was a really great article in um, Nonprofit Quarterly that talked about how to do disaster relief right. And I think, you know, one of the things that I talked about was the in-kind donations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it kind of went through the, the basically the three types of disaster response giving uh, and what those are and, and how that happens. And um, so, you know, it's kind of interesting to, to kind of look at that and say, Okay, so we can either get get cash, um, which is cash is king at, at all times, especially in a situation like that. The other one of the options was um, giving was some sort of coordinated effort for in kind donations directly through a corporation. So maybe there is a, a link from Home Depot to directly give I don't know screws and hammers and whatever else it is that might be needed. And then the third kind was the unsolicited um, in-kind donations, um, the teddy bears, the bottles of water, the, you know, basically the stuff that we pack on a truck and then we send out. Um, I'm always really disappointed when I see a nonprofit coordinating those, especially if it is something like, let's send towels to Joplin. And, you know, right. Do they need towels in Joplin? <laughs> and, and so much of that is important because when you are in a situation, I've been there, where you're in an emergency situation, your space is limited. Mm-hmm. Your resources are limited. Your people are limited. And so now all of a sudden when you really need the basics to be able to make that happen, whether it be medicine or food or water or shelter, whatever that is, and all of a sudden you get a truckload and you're so excited and you have teddy bears and hand sanitizer, you think, oh, good, this is lovely, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. What am I going to do with it? Because right now it's taking up space, it's taking up storage where I really need this. Mm-hmm. And so I really always caution people about those unsolicited material donations yeah. and making sure that you are really communicating with someone on the scene uh, within that command structure, uh, listening to what they really need at that moment. There will be a time and place for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right now, we need to see what they need in the moment, uh, not just as comfort items, which often this will be unsolicited yeah. items <laughs> in time that, that, that come. But uh, you don't want to ask yourself, well, what do I think they need? The question is you need to say, ask, what do you need? Exactly. And find the right source to answer that question. Yeah. And the big thing is, you know, listening to the experts about what do you know, what, what is needed and not just sending, sending that thing. Cause that's, you know, I, I know people don't like to give cash because then you have cash and you're, you know, right. Maybe you could they buy these things. Do something cheaper. more. 
Yeah. And I think that's the the thing behind in-kind giving. People think, well, anyone could give cash. I want to do something personal. Mm -hmm. You know, you think of it as your personal gift giving. So it's Marjorie's birthday, and I could get Marjorie a gift card, and she'd probably love it. And she'd Mm -hmm. go to Bed Bath & Beyond and have a great time uh, beyond spending, right? (laughs) Uh, But if I know that Marjorie really just loves pedicures, and she just thinks that getting her feet rubbed is the best thing ever, well, I don't want to get her just a gift certificate. I'm going to say, Marjorie, you and I are planning a day out, and you and I are going, and we're going to go together, and we're going to have lunch. And that's an experience because I know it's personal. And so people, I think, often associate that personal giving in a time of tragedy. Of, yeah. I don't want to just give money. Mm-hmm. I want to give something personal. And I think that people would really like X, Y, Z. And yeah. they don't need that right now. Exactly. One organization I see that does this really well uh, in Springfield, they run a mission center and all over the world. And at one point when they were new in their organization, they would gather resources, medical supplies, medical equipment, et cetera, and they would send them to these areas of mission. Oh, yeah. And it was fantastic, except for what they got was exactly what we're talking about, things they didn't need. Mm-hmm. Uh, since then, the organization's evolved, and now they have an online system with mm-hmm. all of their inventory that's available, and they also have like a wish list area, but then the mission can go in and say, what we really need right now are syringes, and we need an ambulance, a used ambulance, and we could really use uh, some leftover durable medical equipment with regards to ambulatory, like crutches and wheelchairs and things. Oh, and wow. we need three of these and five of these and six of these. And then they package that and send it. Wow. <laughs> and amazingly, they get exactly what they need and the time they need. And the 50 other items that they would have sent because they would have thought it had been nice that they don't need there, they needed a different mission. And so it's, so much sense. it's meeting people right where they are, right when they need it, at the, you know, it's the right time, the right place, the right items. And when you're talking about nonprofits responding in a tragedy situation, whether that's a tragedy of daily living because they're so underserved or a national recognized tragedy such as weather related, or in this case, we were talking about, you know, Orlando, um, you really want to tune in to what people need at that time and uh, listen to the experts. And I think that's a big piece that if nonprofits do it, that others will follow that lead. Exactly. And the other thing I think we forget to take into account is the account is the amount that it costs to ship that stuff. Oh, goodness, yes. Um, actually, the uh, CIDI, uh, which is part of the USAID, for some alphabet soup, we'll, we'll put a link to this <laughs> in the show notes, but... Um, has a really cool calculator that says you can say, okay, I'm buying a six pack of, of waters, um, and I'm going to ship them to, I'm going to buy them here in Chicago, um, because St. Louis wasn't on the list. I'm going to buy them in Chicago and I'm going to ship them to Afghanistan. And, you know, that's going to be my contribution. And it went from, okay, you bought this, this, this water for two bucks. It actually cost $350 to get it there and into somebody's hands. And, you know, so what do you, what do you, what do you really want to give? Do you, do you want to give money to FedEx? I mean, FedEx is great. Right. But, you know, um, looking at those costs and, and really remembering that there, there is a cost to all of those things. So I think what we're trying to reiterate for nonprofits is to serve as an example in times of tragedy and setting the tone of what people need and responding accordingly. And then as well as just being able to make sure as a nonprofit organization, are you prepared for your own emergency, your mm-hmm. own tragedy, if you will, uh, and I'm not talking about being the worst case scenario of everything that takes place, but there are some basics you can do. One of the articles we were reading uh, was um, all about how to communicate in the midst of a tragedy. And it gave a nine step checklist. And we'll make sure this is on the show notes because I felt like it was really helpful just to say, where do we start? Yeah. You know, especially nonprofits are used to working with very little and having small resources, but yet lots of tasks. So yeah. Oof, how can yeah. we prepare for this, but yet do everything else we need to do? So it was a great little nine-step checklist. 
And first and foremost, it really just talks off about immediately getting off autopilot. And by that, what they're talking about is making sure that you're not just doing this business as usual communication. So Mm -hmm. many of us set up social media accounts, press releases, et cetera, to go out with timing ahead of time, right? Mm -hmm. Because we want to be able to put that together, at least in an ideal world. We'd like it to be ahead of time. (laughs) So we want to make sure that getting off of that autopilot mode, really for nonprofit organizations, when you're making your plans, says we were scheduled to launch that information about our upcoming fundraiser on Friday. Mm -hmm. And on Thursday, this happened. So we need to pull that information or do we or do we not? You know, you know, you know your organization and you know your constituents. And perhaps we need to be silent for a few more days and mm-hmm. be sensitive to the situation before going out and, and announcing that that fundraiser is coming in. Um, but then the other piece of that is also you don't necessarily just want to be able to, to stop everything. Exactly. You can't just completely go dark. Right. You know? Um, sometimes it is going ahead and, and putting the word out, you know, saying why we're going dark either saying, you know, we are thinking about people, um, if that's appropriate, or maybe doing a different message that isn't totally off topic. Right. And I think there's a way to be able to comment without commenting. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you take a lighter message, uh, a lighter side of the organization. Uh, you know, one of the other steps in there was making sure that you're looking at that relevancy. And I think that's mm-hmm. what you were talking about, you know, yes. looking through a lens of relevancy. Does the tragedy that's being impacted by so many have any relevancy to my organization directly because mm-hmm. of course indirectly we're all connected um, and if so then do I need to make a message directly or do I need to take something more indirectly Nike that Nike example is a great example of where Nike wasn't impacted directly but because it was a running event indirectly their constituents were a piece of that so how mm-hmm. do you respond appropriately while keeping everybody together and and really focusing on the relevancy of what's happening next yeah and then the next thing I think is you know telling people that you care Um, you know, letting them know, hey, we do care and offering help if it's appropriate. So if you're a mental health organization, is it appropriate for you to be offering counselors or telling people where where some counselors they can get? If you are a food bank saying, hey, we need whatever we need right now, Um, cash. Um, Right. (laughs) um, But, you know, doing those things, if if you're a uh, if you're a maybe a, a really large building, is it appropriate for you to open up your building now? Uh-huh. And and is that needed? And, yeah. and working with the uh, the local command, the instant command, the officials who are in charge will tell you whether or not those types of responses are needed. And you can always get a hold of them by contacting the public information officer who's responsible for that particular scene at the time to find out what's needed. Maybe you don't have any of those. Maybe you're sitting there listening to Marjorie and I, and you're saying, wow, Nellie, this is great information. However, I've got a nine-person staff uh, in a three-person office, mm-hmm. and <laughs> I don't know what I could do to help. That's okay. The question is you can help communicate. The community looks to nonprofits for what can I do to help. So asking that public information officer what information resources are out there, let us help get the word out is huge. So maybe it's cooling stations. You know, it's 92 mm-hmm. degrees, I think, today. Uh, it's, it's hot. Welcome to the Midwest. If you're <laughs> listening to us and you are not in the Midwest, uh, but it's hot here. Phoenix, they're dealing with Huge issues of heat right now. Uh, They've had deaths already from the heat. So perhaps this is not something that's impacting you as a nonprofit, but you could let your audience know there's cooling stations in these locations. Here's some tips to remember to stay hydrated. It has nothing to do with the fact of whatever your mission is in particular, but you're helping the greater good. And I think that's what people forget about nonprofits and the mission they serve. It's not just about that specific cause, but they serve the greater good. That's yeah. why they're nonprofits. And they're part of the community, which yes. is very important. So, again, remembering, you know, you just pause and take a look at what's going out next. And then 
you know, w- once you can see what's happening, then you need to make a plan. And, mm-hmm. and depending on your organization, how far out, Marjorie, do you think when you're looking at a communication plan, like for your organization? Yeah, well, so your organization plan is probably written for a year, but I'm going to think in the next maybe week, week and a half, you need to take a look and see, okay, is what we have appropriate for what our situation, especially if this is happening in your community? That's a great you know. point because your communication plan may be strategically different. Mm-hmm. If you are a nonprofit in Orlando right now mm-hmm. versus a nonprofit in the Midwest versus a nonprofit who's in, you know, northern Wisconsin. Exactly. Because yeah. geographic may take a part of it. It may not. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, you kind of have to know your nonprofit, your constituents and what your community expects of you and, uh, what your constituents expect of you. Well, and I think it's in addition to geography and also the, your constituency community. I think right now, um, an LGBT organization there's the the way their community communicating now and for the next several weeks is going to be very different than an organization that serves homeless children mm-hmm. is going to communicate. It's very different, you know, so your community isn't just where you live, but who you serve. So, so I think a big yeah. piece of that then is exactly what you were talking about is making sure you're sending out that communication change. So if mm-hmm. you're a nonprofit, you'd mentioned revising your marketing, your fundraising communication mm-hmm. plan for the next week, week and a half, two Something weeks, like depending two weeks, on what's yeah. going on, you m- need to make sure that your ambassadors, your staff, your volunteers are aware of these changes mm-hmm. and are aware of the sound bites and the messages. Of course, we all like to think that if a member of the press would contact us, that they would react accordingly, would go to that person <laughs> who's in charge. Uh, but you want to make sure that those messages are consistent so that if one of your volunteers is out in the community and they ask a question, they're going to hear the same type of message or at least the same theme as they would if it was your chief executive officer out doing a guest speaking piece. So, and then I think the next thing to do is to, is to start moving forward after that, after that part where you've kind of redone your, your marketing plan two weeks after start moving forward, but, but listen, mm-hmm. I think that's really, really, really important is to, to listen to what's going on in your community. And if you, if something feels wrong, stop doing that. <laughs> right. I think that's hard for nonprofits uh, and anyone to really figure out. So how long, do we continue in this manner before it's comfortable to shift uh, mm-hmm. back to uh, what you might call um, the traditional plan yeah. uh, to, you know, to get back on track as to where you were because you don't want to be disrespectful to those who were impacted by the tragedy. Uh, but also you have a job to do. You have uh, share- shareholders that you, that are expecting you to raise the dollars that you expected to serve those that you had said you were going to impact and to meet that mission. So at some point, you have to go from being respectful to the tragedy to putting the wheels back on and moving forward. And I think that's part of what makes America great is that we continue to move forward as an organization, uh, regardless of how many times we get knocked on the chin. Exactly. And then there's one last one. Yep. So I think the last thing that that article referenced was just making sure that you craft that crisis communication plan, something along the lines of what Marjorie and I are referencing. And again, we'll post this checklist on our show notes so you can take a piece, but you know, it's great to know that who's your primary spokesperson? Is that your CEO, your chief executive officer? Is that your chief marketing officer? Who is that, you know, spokesperson in times of tragedy, in times of crisis? And then I always like to say, and then what if they're on vacation? <laughs> because it happens. And then it always happens when they are out of town, when their phone is dead, uh, when they are stuck in a no cellular zone, uh, you know, on the middle of the highway. So then who's next and what happens when that person comes back and just really being comfortable with it. Who's your spokesperson for there might be different types of tragic events that take place. Yeah. If it's something in your local geographical area, perhaps it's your chief, uh, your chief executive officer, your president, your CEO, whoever that might be. 
would be your your chief spokesperson. But mm-hmm. what if it's something that's more on a global sense and you're not directly connected? Well, in that yeah. case, it may be your social media mm-hmm. organizer, uh, whoever your marketing manager is, whatever that looks like might be your your lead at crafting that message. Exactly. And, you know, the one thing that we're finding more and more is uh, more and more people looking very, very closely at nonprofits mm-hmm. and accountability is is key. Um, one of the things that has come up recently, I think we've maybe we could talk about this in the last couple of minutes, is um, a, a lot of criticism of the, the Red Cross and other disaster agencies. Um, in fact, just uh, just last Friday, um, there was a uh, basically the results of a year long investigation um, by Senator Chuck Grassley of, of the Red Cross, mm. um, basically looking at and saying, you know, the Red Cross isn't doing what we think they should be doing with um you know, the American people's money um, when disaster strikes. Um, there's been some really high-profile stumbles of the organization, things like that, which is really sad to see because I think all of us in the nonprofit world really look up to the Red Cross as being mm-hmm. one of those organizations that really has their stuff together for the most part. Right. Um, but, um, you know, there was a lot of concern with um, – how, you know, how their fundraising and how their spending works mm-hmm. because a lot of their money comes in at time of crisis, but a lot of their money's going out at the same time. So mm-hmm. they, of course, have kind of rebutted with a, Hey, well, we, we're actually doing it by the book. Here's, here's our financial statements. We're following, you know, everything we should be. Um, but I think a lot of this is leading to something that's even a little bit more concerning to me anyways. And that's this kind of a shift to, um, people, giving donations directly to survivors, survivor families, and not through nonprofits. So One Orlando, who's one of the big organizations collecting money for the families and survivors of the shooting, is not a nonprofit. It's an arm of the city. And they're going to be basically coming up with a, a list of what's, you know, I guess possible injuries and giving money directly to two folks um, doesn't look like it's kind of hard to see so far what, what's going to go on there. And it's kind of interesting to see how that's working, shaping up. You've seen so much in the news, even in just in the past few years, about things that happen in nonprofits that are being speculated and, and then they get investigated and things come to light. I, mm-hmm. I think of the Wounded Warrior Program and yeah. how much speculation that they they got and then the investigation took place and uh, the, the changes that had to be made. And here's an organization that was, you know, sponsored by and endorsed by so many different oh, great organizations. Like and the <laughs> right. And uh, again, you know, just responding to those in crisis, those in need who had came back from serving our country. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how many dollars were really going to those individuals and, you know, those investigations again. So you keep hearing these big cases about these big organizations mm-hmm. that you and I as individuals, not just nonprofit professionals, really respect and honor and trust and when that trust is is shattered and that or even chipped away you have to start wondering about your own nonprofits that you donate to the your own nonprofits in your own backyard if it could happen to them mm-hmm. could it happen here could it happen exactly. to those you know and i think it's that uh you know that distrust or that that concern that the american public starts to have is well are they really being watched mm-hmm. meaning they mean the nonprofit organizations yeah. are they being watched the way they should be and I would much rather just go ahead and give directly and bypass that. Yeah. It's a concerning trend uh, that I see uh, because we have so many nonprofits doing such good work and they're getting black eyes um, from things that they haven't even done themselves yeah. and have not been associated with. And so I think as nonprofits, it's a good, healthy conversation if you're 
uh, you know, having a conversation in your lunchroom, maybe uh, grassroots unofficially or mm-hmm. uh, perhaps with your volunteers, getting their feedback and listening to the community as to what's, you know, what's out there. Building trust right now as a nonprofit in your community has never been more important because right. you want to make sure that uh, your constituents uh, that your donors uh, and that the general public is very transparent with you what you're doing and how you're doing it and that you're doing it uh, the right way and following the right or- following the right rules to do it. Absolutely, and it's it's an interesting time. I think things are going to change a lot in the area of disaster management, um, you know, and, and especially funding that yeah. over the next couple of years, especially with GoFundMe showing up pretty much everywhere. Um, I know there's been several GoFundMe campaigns set up for victims of these shootings. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how that evolves over the next couple of years. That is definitely crowdfunding is something that's huge on the rise right now. So, yeah. well, online crowdfunding. I think we've always had the nickel jar for, <laughs> for kids at the grocery store. But, you know, really being able to do it on a large scale is really interesting. So I think the big takeaways that we would like to have from today's message is for our nonprofit professionals, what is your plan? Do you have a checklist? And if not, let's get a plan together because tragedy can strike close to home before you even realize it's happening and whether it's going to impact you directly or indirectly, your community is going to depend on you to step up uh, and and represent uh, them and their voice uh, in the sign of tragedy. And then just also make sure that you're being very transparent with your organization and its mission and its practices uh, with those who matter most within your community. But uh, most important is to remember um, when, to, when to speak, mm-hmm. when to stay silent, uh, how to do it appropriately, and to start having those messages in times of uh, traditional times, you might say, because mm-hmm. when those get rocked, it can really impact a nonprofit. You want to be ready, and we want to be able to help you. Absolutely, and I think that's all the time we have left. Thank you, Natalie, for all the knowledge you brought to this. Absolutely, Marjorie. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. There's so much so much we could go on with this. We're going to have lots of information yeah. and articles for you to read so in the show articles. notes, so <laughs> uh, opportunities for you to dig deep. But uh, we're really excited to be here today, and thanks so much to our listeners. Excellent. And thank you to everybody for joining us on 501 Crossroads. 501 Crossroads is recorded at the studios of Mind's Eye Radio and is produced and hosted by me, Marjorie Moore, and me, Natalie Jablonski. And Mike Curtis is our sound engineer. Please go to iTunes or Stitchers or your favorite app and subscribe to us and leave us some feedback so others can find us. Um, you can find us on Facebook at 501 Crossroads. Thank you for listening. And remember, we're all working towards the same outcomes.